With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. From the meddling to the mundane, Microsoft reveals how cyber hackers abroad are deploying AI. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. Using AI for tasks like drafting emails and doing research is hardly confined to your run-of-the-mill desk job. Microsoft says groups affiliated with the governments of Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea are doing the same things, but they're using AI to get better at hacking. We'll dive into that on today's Marketplace Tech Bytes Week in Review. Also, Disney is investing $1.5 billion in Epic Games. Can we expect a frozen Fortnite crossover? I don't know, but we can expect regulatory scrutiny. But first, in Silicon Valley, software gets all the glory. Sam Altman, though, is planning a big move into hardware. The OpenAI co-founder and CEO wants to raise up to $7 trillion for a new AI chip project, Paresh Deve, senior writer at Wired, joined me to talk about it. And if you watch this week in review on YouTube, you know that we start with a number we call our bite of the week. The number I have for you is 350. So that's the number of facilities for manufacturing computer chips uh, that Sam Altman could build with the $7 trillion uh, he's supposedly trying to raise to build these kind of facilities. Um, So that's 350 new places to build chips. To build these semiconductor chips focused on AI development, $7 trillion. That number is just so hard to wrap your head around. And I was trying to think about how to do this. We've moved well beyond like corporate balance sheet territory into like, you know, nation states and debt territory. Um, So I'm thinking maybe we go with U.S. GDP, something like that. Uh, This is about a third of U.S. GDP in a given year. Um, I don't know if that even helps, but (laughs) but I do try. So tell me, Paresh, what do we know about how this project in theory this massive raise of capital would work. So Wired and others reported a couple of months ago that uh, Altman was seeking billions of dollars, and the idea that he would, the idea was that he would raise money from like 
Middle East sovereign wealth funds, investors here, maybe governments would pitch in, they'd sell a lot of debt, um, and they'd be able to basically increase the capacity of chip making around the world uh, and be able to sort of continue this AI boom that we've seen that we've been seeing the past year, but that's been limited by the lack of chips um, uh, out there on the market to buy. What uh, what's new is sort of, you know, one unnamed source has told the Wall Street Journal that this venture could actually require five trillion to seven trillion dollars. Uh, and that's what's sort of jaw dropping to everyone across the industry from analysts to NVIDIA's CEO. Mm-hmm. Yes, you had some words about this. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something along the lines of you really don't need that many chips. Am I getting that right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the argument is that over time, these chips are going to get more efficient, we're going to have sort of advances in the technology. And so like making sort of a big, super long term bet and putting trillions towards it, not knowing how the technology is going to evolve over the next few years, like just doesn't make sense. Yeah, this is uh, Jensen Huang over at NVIDIA, by the way. Um, what are the obstacles standing in the way of making this happen if you're Sam Altman? Because this is, if not the number one bottleneck, it's definitely on the list of top constraints to getting uh, OpenAI to look like the company he wants it to be. There's a number of them. One, there's a new, there's two new fabs that are going up in Arizona right now, built by TSMC, which is sort of the largest company uh, that has these kinds of plants. And uh, they're having a hard time finding workers to build the thing. They're having a hard time finding workers to staff the place. That's an ongoing problem. Then there's specialized equipment that goes into these places. There's only a couple of companies that make that equipment. So then you're going to run into a bottleneck there. Um, And I think that's part of what uh, Altman is trying to address here is not just maybe think about sort of just the plants are making chips for the whole supply chain. And that's why he needs so much money to like expand the whole ecosystem, um, which is an approach that would be new. Um, and he sort of tweeted out, you know, we need the world needs more AI infrastructure, not just these factories, but also energy data centers. And that's part of, you know, why he's seeking so much money, possibly. Yeah, this is a huge energy story, lest we forget. Uh, That's such a great point. Remember about a year ago when nuclear fusion was in the news for about a day and we all moved on? Well, the people in Silicon Valley are still talking about that. And I think part of it is it's catnip for, you know, the techie set uh, because it has this moonshot quality to it. But it is seen, and Sam Altman talked about this recently in Davos as well, as, you know, a fundamental piece of getting AI infrastructure to where uh, where his goals certainly are. Um, let me ask you about the geopolitics of this, too, because chip manufacturing, this is one of the main geopolitical storylines of our time. And according to reports, Sam Altman met with the Commerce Secretary, Gina Raimondo, to talk about this. Uh, a statement given to the Wall Street Journal from the company, OpenAI, reads as follows. It says, we will continue to keep the U.S. government informed, given the importance to national priorities. As it happens, she is also in charge of distributions of grants under the U.S. Uh, under the CHIPS Act, this $50 billion, um, you know, funding pile of, you know, cash basically to, to make this happen in the U.S. Um, it, it seems like OpenAI is trying to be very careful um, with the, the messaging here. Yeah, I think they're trying to be good partners with the U.S. government, with European governments. 
And they recognize that right now a lot of chips come from Taiwan. Uh, the relationship, obviously, there with, with China is a problem uh, for the security of that supply chain. And that's why the U.S. has tried to build more uh, fabs here in the U.S. and why Altman is trying to ensure that the U.S. plays a role in that and is apprised of that. Um, and I don't think that that changes anytime soon. Um, there's an, a, a large corner of the AI ecosystem here that feels like that they're at, at sort of war with China and, and competing with them. Uh, and open AI is part of, you know, the U.S. way of fighting back. Yeah, and a really interesting stat from a book that came out, I think about two years ago, The Chip War uh, by Tufts professor Chris Miller. He says, China now spends more money each year on importing chips than it spends on oil. So think about that and the, the geopolitical aspect of this. is It couldn't be more important. Um, we're going to stick with that theme uh, for our next story. OpenAI and Microsoft say groups affiliated with the governments of China Russia, as well as Iran and North Korea, are using the newest wave of AI tools to get better at hacking. I love your first take on this uh, because we talk so much about the potential harms of AI and it's sort of like, okay, this is here now. Yeah, I mean, some of these groups that Microsoft and OpenAI identified were groups that have been involved in sort of meddling with U.S. elections over the past few years. So, I mean, these are serious threats to the U.S. and, and other places around the world. So I think that's the first thing to recognize, like, you know, this is legit. Um, the things that they were doing were kind of, you know, what all of us have been doing with ChatGPT and these programs. To be clear, you know, Microsoft and OpenAI didn't specify what exactly tools, but presumably ChatGPT is what they were talking about. And these sort of hackers were using it to like, try to better understand complicated technology like satellites and radar. They were trying to use it to write better phishing emails or translate them. I would say my second reaction was like the unanswered questions here, which are like, how exactly did Microsoft identify these folks? Um, when and how long have they been monitoring them? Uh, presumably all these hackers started using ChatGPT at the same time as all of us, and they're just now talking about it. So, you know, how long have they been monitoring them? Did they purposely sort of watch them for a while before cutting them off so they could understand how that they're how they're using these tools? And then they have talked about how they gave a heads up or seemingly are giving a heads up to other chatbot makers about these groups so that they can also cut them off. And so how that sort of information sharing is going, I think is also uh, an interesting and right now unanswered question. Yeah, this is interesting for sure. Why do you think Microsoft is being so forthcoming about the information that they're learning? I think there's a, a few reasons here. Um, Microsoft and OpenAI signed these voluntary commitments with the U.S. government, the U.K. government, and others over the past year, saying that they would be, you know, forthright about what security threats that they're seeing um, to help inform sort of government regulations and and, and laws. Uh, so that's part of it. I think another part of it is it helps Microsoft's cybersecurity business, um, you know, where they're selling various services and uh, tools to help companies uh, and governments with, with cybersecurity to say that we're on top of these organizations. Here's this sort of advanced, you know, new technology. And we already know what these sort of malicious folks are doing on here. Um, and we're on top of it. It's sort of a, a nice sales pitch. Absolutely. Um, and uh, it sounds like they are cutting off access to these groups. No more chat GPT for them. 
But how much does that matter in the long run when you have Vladimir Putin saying that Russian president saying that they're prioritizing building their own AI systems? And, you know, there was a report just last month uh, from academic researchers saying that uh, China and North Korea are collaborating closely on AI development. We'll be right back. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Paresh Dave, senior writer at Wired. And our third topic in this week in review is Disney CEO Bob Iger's recent announcement that his company would be investing $1.5 billion in an equity stake in Epic Games. I asked Paresh for his take on what Disney hopes to accomplish. So Iger talked a little bit um, on an earnings call recently about how he got these stats showing that young folks were playing video games just as much, if not more, than they were spending on like TV and streaming and internet platforms. And Newsview Research, uh, which is a market researcher last year, actually said that Gen Z consumers are averaging just over 12 hours per week on video games which is a half hour more than they're spending on TV. And I think, you know, that scared uh, Iger and uh, led him to realize how big of a market video games is. Uh, and that's why you see this this uh, investment. Yeah. So now he's a hero for realizing that young people are into gaming. Cool. All right. I got it. <laughs> uh, what did you notice as you were reading through some of the uh, the literature on this, on this proposal? Uh. So one thing that caught my eye was that in the press release, Disney mentions that this deal is still subject to regulatory approvals. Um, it hasn't; they haven't disclosed exactly how much of a stake that they're seeking, but the information is reported that uh, you know that they would be taking a nine percent stake for this uh, billion and a half dollars. That's a, a very small stake, um, and minority investments like that typically aren't subject to sort of you know regulatory things, or it's not something that companies typically call out as sort of a, a risk to the deal closing. Um, so I think that's notable. I mean, one potential concern here is that Epic starts favoring Disney, which is a customer of their technology, over other customers of Epic's sort of um, gaming engine technology that, you know, helps render games and helps power games. Um, maybe that's sort of one per uh, potential concern that they see on the horizon. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I did think that was an interesting call out. Yeah. And uh, CEO Bob Iger obviously is also trying to outrun shareholder activist uh, Nelson Peltz, who is after a board seat at Disney. Uh, what was his reaction? Uh, Peltz said that uh, this investment and some other moves that Disney has made uh, amount to throwing spaghetti against the wall and not having a clear strategy. Uh, he's certainly not happy with this deal. You can find the full video of this episode of Marketplace Tech Bytes Week in Review on our YouTube channel, Marketplace APM. And subscribe if you haven't already to watch us every Friday. Rosie Hughes produced this episode. Jesus Alvarado and Daniel Shin also produce our show. Lydia Ayano is our intern. Becca Weinman is our engineer. Daisy Palacios is our senior producer. Kelly Silvera is our executive producer. I'm Lily Dramali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like 
$200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.